Hello and welcome to the M&M podcast. I am Emma. And, and I'm Izzy. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing with that one. Um, okay. I saw a pause and I thought, dive right in there. Yeah, do. Um, so, today's podcast, we are going to be talking all about shame. Mm. 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 Aren't you all eager to find out more? Because Mizzy watched uh, Brene Brown's, what was it, A Call to Courage. Yeah, I think so. Was buzzing and said, <laughs> Emma, watch this. And here we are. Yes. Um, so yes, exciting times. But before then, we are going to do our, what we've been watching, that. So... Well, actually, I have a couple. I thought I didn't have any, but I remembered some. So She lies. Number one <laughs> is a podcast. It's the Blossoms Pubcast. Have you listened to that? No. It's so funny. <laughs> but, um, I haven't listened to many, like one or two, honestly. There's one with the lead singer of Inhaler. Oh, that was, is that, is that the first one you listened to? No, it wasn't actually. The one with Jack O'Connell was the first one I listened to. I have um, no idea who that is. He's an actor. Um, Not very famous. He, he's in Skins. He's very famous. <laughs> I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it just... It proper reminded me of the North, honestly, and it just made me real nostalgic for being up there and... This one of them has this laugh. I can't explain it. It is the funniest thing. I just listen to it to hear him laugh because he laughs like every five seconds as well. But you know when sometimes when I laugh, I have that proper cackly laugh that's like high-key embarrassing. I thought but... you were going to do it then. I no. was like, <laughs> no. nice, like bold, I don't I think like it's, it. it's not a grace of podcast yet. You've not made me laugh that much, honestly. Fair. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, no, he has a similar kind of laugh and I just, it is so funny. And I feel like maybe that's how people feel when I laugh like that, so. <laughs> well, if I'd ever heard it, I would <laughs> let you know, but <laughs> guess I haven't. Are they from Stockport? Yeah. Is that right? I think, I don't know, somewhere near Manchester. They actually have said it, but I don't know. I once said in front of an ex-boyfriend while we're in the car with, his <laughs> I've one ex-boyfriend, so <laughs> a bit of a reveal all there. In front of his um, brother, who was in town for a short while, um, I said, I thought, and I said it real quietly, I said, we were driving past Stockport, and I was like, I thought Stockport was, like, abroad somewhere, because in my head I was thinking, Stockholm... And he, he said, <laughs> real loudly, because I just sort of whispered it. I was like, oh, I didn't think this was in England. He was like, Emma thought Stockport was a broad idiot. And I was like, you What did little? you feel in that moment? Shame. Was shame. shame? <laughs> thought you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> we'll properly analyse this conversation later. <laughs> But that's when I think of the blossoms, I think of that moment. I think of shame. But I also no, I really like the blossoms. Well, they also have some nice like. We need to get some jingles in between our podcasts because they've got like sections and then like jingles. But obviously they're a band, so 
they sound like perfect songs each um, jingle so i'll do twang 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 yeah. on the <laughs> guitar in between okay <laughs> do you know i still have my saxophone somewhere so i could do a toot <laughs> twang twang toot <laughs> or we could just like use that sound bite that you just created um, either way yeah brilliant oh. yeah so what do they actually talk about because you just said how funny it is and then i, I went off it, on about stockport it's kind of like what i imagine being in just a group of if you were just a group of all men <laughs> What mm. you imagine it to be, but in the best possible way, not in the shit way that you imagine what <laughs> men talk about. Like, just, like, the funny, bantery kind of stuff. Mm. And, like, sort of, like, low-key ripping the shit into each other. But but also, like, they do this part where they have, like... They say, like, um, random facts, and they always get, like, proper into these things that they're saying. And it's just really... When people are passionate about what they're talking about, it's always just nice to hear anyway, but... Like, they just properly run with everything that they mm. they bring up. And then they also rinse themselves. They look at, like, comments on their YouTube videos and what people have said. <laughs> That's just so like... funny. I love, like, stuff like reacting. <laughs> you know, like, this... What is it on? I don't know. And people react to thirst tweets. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> on YouTube, there's, like, no, a video series. That, but... I love that. Because it depends as well how, like internet literate people are as well to how much they get it because there'll be certain things that are like you know like phrases that become part of popular culture because it's very happening yeah Yeah. i just said happening i suppose thirst is one of those to be honest yeah like the whole thing only makes sense in a very niche setting that we are all a part of (laughs) i did see this thing once it was like our humour now is so, like, built on, like, reference upon reference. Mm. Like, you have to have this incredible backstory to understand half the humour because it's based on, like, a knowledge of the whole internet realm. Like, yeah. if you don't know a meme from 10 years ago, you're not going to get the humour of today. So mine is also a podcast and... It's all I've been listening to. Actually, to be honest, it's a bit deep for the podcast, but I've just been, you know, like these lockdowns, like I've been going through waves with them yeah. and like I've been in a bit of a funk. Like, I don't know, not feeling, not feeling 100% Emma, feeling 50%. Anyway, enough about me. So <laughs> I've been soundtracking my life, filling my ears with. Well, it's the mini-series of Sentimental Garbage, which is Sentimental in the City. The podcast, it's hosted by Caroline O'Donoghue, but for the mini-series Sentimental in the City, they've taken on, I think they're doing like six, seven episodes about sex in the city, hosted with Dolly Alderton. It is just perfection in every single way. (laughs) Them together is, like, beautiful. They are so incredibly funny together and also so sweet with each other. Secondly, Sex and the City. I've recently finished watching it, and it is one of those shows that you are changed by the process of watching it. And that's why this miniseries is perfect, because the tagline is, 
We don't know the most about sex in this city, but we feel the most. And they just have this really, like, a mixture of super sincere, like, uh, deep dive into the themes and, like, all the bits of sex in the city, like, very seriously, and then just absolutely rip into it as well. It's incredible. And they, they just have the conversations about the random little tiny parts of Sex and City that we're all thinking about. <laughs> they bring it to light and then they just bring in all these like theories they've decided about Sex and the City and all these like parallel storylines that could happen. And it's just fabulous. And uh, as Kim Cattrall would say, fabulous. Um, <laughs> and it, you do have to have seen six seasons of a TV show and potentially the two films to understand any of the series. But if you have, then you'll love it. And I haven't, it. so... But it's, I do want to watch it, so... The, the thing we'll is, see. the podcast is... It's so... Like, if you listen to it and you hadn't seen any of Sex and the City, you'd be like these women are crazy, like, going on about this show the way they are. But once you've seen the show, you're like, no, we need this level of analysis on everything. It's just perfect. I love it. And I think they should carry on with a podcast of just them rambling about anything because I would listen. Their dynamic is Dolly gorgeous. Yeah. And Caroline O'Donoghue, she's Irish. Who is that? Fun. She's also a novelist as well in a... Well, like a journalist and novelist. She wrote, um, oh my God, Promising Young Woman, but it's not what the film is. Oh. It's, oh. the novel is different. I've read the novel, that's really good. And then she wrote Scenes of a Graphic Nature that came out last year, but I haven't read that one, but she's very, like, they're, they're super, like, funny, but also say these really intelligent things about something that doesn't arguably deserve that level of intelligence, but that's what makes the whole... Very podcast crazily brilliant. That sounds like the high low in some ways. Yeah. Same kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely. Because I think sometimes when you feel like sentimental about something, mm-hmm. you just give it this life that maybe it never deserved. But you you want to know more about the characters. Yeah. You want to decide like what happened if this didn't happen or what what's happening when this the cameras aren't on, you know? Yeah. Have you finished it now? What, Sex and the City or the podcast? Sex and the City. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. However, I will say, the second film is dicey, <laughs> to say the least. So if you're going to watch it, just don't watch the second film. It was a waste of everyone's time and <laughs> is arguably not even okay to oh, consume. I really want to watch that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not the best. It kind of ruins everything. But yes, that's what I've been <laughs> listening to. And when I say listen to it, I mean that's all I've been listening to. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, well, the other thing I've been watching is Line of Duty. Oh, uh, yes. <gasps> Busy, I have something to tell you, sorry. 
about <laughs> this. You know, you mentioned Line of Duty the yeah. other week. Is that right? In the podcast? Yeah. yeah. I was on my YouTube mm. and what comes up? A video <laughs> about Line of Duty. And I was like, somebody <laughs> is listening because I hadn't searched anything. It's Facebook. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. But someone, someone actually listens to the Eminem podcast and it might be <laughs> oh the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> uh, As you were, go on, please. <laughs> that was very line of duty, actually. Um, have you seen any of it? No. It's so good. I'm addicted to it now. Steve and Kate, who are the, like, the main two detectives in it, Literally love them. And I just... I just the phrases they come out, it's just proper British, good old sit-with-your-tea kind of watch. I love it. Like, Sunday... You know what? Every night. Every night kind of watch. <laughs> I Literally, I'm watching it every night. So, it's like high-stakes drama. Everything about it is amazing. And I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil anything because it's so complicated but oh i love it <laughs> um that's really all i have to say about it just that i love it so I, much. I know you're saying you love it but nothing about it makes me want to watch it i know exactly what you mean because that's what i felt like beforehand but i was maybe forced I to watch should? it be should yeah um it's it's just really hard to watch anything that isn't a 20 minute comedy ensemble yeah, sure like I can't physically do it. I'm very into the long, like the one hour long drama series at the moment, I think. Mm. Mm. I'm really struggling to concentrate on anything, like, Mm. but maybe I'll give it a go at some point, because I've nearly finished Superstar, I've got like a season left. see, we must be in opposite things, because I keep trying to watch that, and I literally get about five minutes extra into an episode, and I'm like, this is shit. Do you know... (laughs) I'm, like, deep in it now. And I, I do really like it, but you know, like, when they've got a brooding love story for season upon season, mm. which I live for, um, <laughs> that, that sort of, like, happened now, and I'm like, I what am I watching for? <laughs> but I, it's one of those things as well, and it's like, <laughs> the main characters are never that, interesting it's always the supporting roles you in like sitcoms that tend to be the best yeah so i'm like let's have less of the main character storyline and more of these little tiny gems (laughs) so yeah i'm a bit at stalemates i think they need to like bring it back up again for the next season season three was really good actually Mm. but i haven't got past season one so so I, it's one I don't of those, think I will, to be honest. I really like it, but then I don't know whether that's because I enjoy the comfort of mm. these ensemble casts. I don't know what it does for me, but I'm like, I'm home. That's interesting because my housemate who also watches it and likes it the same amount as you do also has a big thing about ensemble casts. Yeah. Maybe that's a thing. The one other thing I watched was a Joan... Didion documentary. Called. Is this it's it's a city or something? No. 
Yeah. Oh, that's friendly, but it's <laughs> two <laughs> different people. <laughs> no, it's called Joan Didion, The Centre Will Not Hold. Right, so I didn't really know anything about Joan Didion, to be honest, before I watched this. I've never read a book. She was, in, in what you're saying about, like, a cool, like, independent woman from the 70s kind of vibe, yes. Very much by inspiration, because... Um, just, I think, often, seeing, like, a woman from 50 years ago, like, who would have been my age 50 years ago kind of thing, mm. and, like, knowing what their their achievements and their kind of life is like, because the, the documentary is filmed by her um, nephew. Oh, right. So it's, like, quite... Ooh, in, that level intimate. of intimacy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and... <laughs> um, <laughs> And it sort of, like, treks all the way through her life, and it's a lot... It's really about her family more than anything, than, rather than her career, but sort of how they intertwine. And just, I don't know, it always... I just... It's really nice to have those kind of, like, people, figures, female figures to look at and not necessarily aspire to be what they are or whatever, but just to know that it's possible to be strong within yourself and mm. cope with things and like so and also the quote the center will not hold i don't know why but that like at the moment this is particularly this is why we're doing this podcast and this thing today i've been watching things and just hearing certain words or like sentences and, stuff, and it like rips me apart like to my car i don't know what it is happening the center will not hold yeah and I, when I, yeah when i heard that i was like it will not. <laughs> the centre will not hold. It's not holding. Um, but, like, just how somebody can so... Like, words are amazing. Like, how you can... You could say that in a different way and it wouldn't be as effective. It yeah. wouldn't have cut me to the core like that. But the way... Just hearing that, I was like, that perfectly... You've said how I feel. Mm. And when you hear that, oh, it's just... It's such a like a a way off sometimes, isn't it? When you mm. hear things like that. Yeah. So I've seen it written in a few different ways, but like the idea that great art says what you've been thinking without before yeah. you have. Yeah. And it's like yeah. finding that. Well, it's also thing. something they. I'm gonna read a book now. I think after after watching this, but she wrote a couple of her most famous books after the death of her husband and the death of her daughter. And they're about, like, grief and stuff, Mm. obviously. But there's this playwright who was talking about her who she worked with on a play in in London. And um, he was like, for the first time, people were being given the chance to read this read a book about grief and like the gravity of that mm. not from the perspective of a person who didn't believe in anything else like who didn't believe in some like god or something like superior or whatever so to like tackle it with also tackling like the meaninglessness of everything mm. at the same time <laughs> and she, I know, it's quite heavy but like i'm not sure so, i'm ready to read these books <laughs> no but it just like she was like, so many people in the world haven't had that reference point because mm. it's not often, it's only in more recent years and more recent decades that that has become, like, a perspective. But 
I think back then for people to have that was so such radical. like a yeah and like a comfort for mm. for people to really understand this thing that nobody really understands until yeah. they experience it and it just yeah it ripped me apart <laughs> that's do you know that's so interesting I do actually I think that whole it makes me want to like read slash watch all this but mm. I find this very interesting in two ways one the idea of like talking about death because I feel like it's this taboo not taboo thing as such but it's filled with all these etiquettes and stuff like how to yeah. react to something like my deepest sympathy like or thank you for that empty well it's not you yeah. know like people but are it... trying to do the best but like we've turned death into this thing that is so like far removed like sometimes you see the body but usually you don't get them buried it's like death used to be very different and in a lot of cultures it still is and it's weird how we've brought it into the western world and made it Mm. Rue gets so far from us even though it's something we're all going to do um, she says who knows maybe we'll all be cyborgs um, <laughs> two I think it's interesting because of like oh my god what have I just said uh, that <laughs> idea <laughs> that like, idea of um, like the not being or uh, afterlife whatever and this maybe meaningless life we sort of live just I think the idea of explore it feels like a really scary topic but then the more people who explore it and the more it's like talked about it's obviously going to become less scary it's mm. I think things are always more scary when it's just like this illusion my god literally when we we're doing horror films things that were the scariest were the things you couldn't see <laughs> brain power turned on tonight um <laughs> but it's like there's a lot like the death thing we, the further you push it away the harder it all becomes and it's like the more when it's dealt with and talked about and like looked into nothing seems as scary as it ever was so it's quite i think birth reasons it would be i like the topics yeah well it's interesting what you just said there actually about the way in like western culture we kind of wrap it up mm. like we wrap like it's swiftly pushed away kind of yeah. thing and yet we so like it's like we put a lot of gravity onto it but then are like very swift to move on with it yeah. and you're not it's such a difficult it is difficult to be able to navigate it like when it happens with your friends and stuff and mm. you don't know how to react to them and all those yeah. kind of things but but like when you when you actually like properly sit with like what it like this is something that I I now I can't remember because it was like a, it was a couple of weeks ago when I watched it but I think this has come from this documentary but I might be wrong mm. but she's I think she said something about like when when you are the people that you love have died kind of thing mm. and you really have to sit with yourself it's like impossible like you it's so you become so like fidgety and all this kind of stuff that you can't mm. be just having to sit alone with yourself is such like a monumentally difficult thing suddenly yeah. and the idea of that and the way that we wrap it up and don't allow ourselves to get through the sitting with ourselves part mm. is really fucked up to be honest like yeah yeah because it's like i know this isn't comparable at all but 
like in a breakup, for example, like when that mm. person leaves you, you just want to reach back and get them if yeah. you've broken up with. But I think even if you're not, but th- you can't, that's the point of the breakup. And then you finally learn to sit with yourself. Mm. And the thing, like, there's going to be points in your life where you put so much like weight on other people. Say you do get married, you have children, like your lives are always going to be intertwined in this really like, massive way and learning to sit without them would be almost important like it's Mm. not some you can't live separate lives from people when you're on that level with them so it is like ripping a piece of yourself out and Mm. to rebuild that is monumental and that's crazy I kind of just reiterated what you said, but it felt like I had something <laughs> to say. But that is good, yeah. I feel what you feel, Joan Didan, but without Did death. <laughs> Joan Didan. <laughs> Me absolutely having no idea how to say people's <laughs> names. Uh, we'll let it out. <laughs> I'm feeling shame now, so shall we? <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Um, well, I feel like, so this kind of leads into why I wanted to talk about this stuff today, because what you just said earlier about being in a funk, Mm. I feel like I've been in a bit of a funk in the past few days. And I feel like, maybe no, maybe longer than the past few days, probably, but when I've been watching these, you know when you don't really know how you feel about things and then mm. then you are kind of told by the things that you watch because of how it, like, strikes a nerve, I suppose, mm. when, when you hear it, you're like, oh, fuck. So that's why I wanted to talk about it because I feel like shame is something that is so obviously difficult to talk about. <laughs> and interestingly, in the podcast despite the fact that I'm sure nobody's listening, but, actually, well, maybe some people, but... <laughs> I just, like, shot you an evil look. Like, I know, you know, I'm also like, 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 I know. <laughs> some um, people, thank you. <laughs> but also, kind of just because it, this is a nice time capsule for our future selves in a way to be able to listen back. I like for to be sure. able to... <laughs> I can't wait to force our children to listen. I know, yeah. I'm like, oh... You're feeling ashamed today. I've got a podcast on that. <laughs> Listen to this. We don't parent. We just, like, <laughs> we send podcast. them over to the podcast. When we, like, hear what what you're feeling kind of thing that you haven't really been able to translate in your brain, like, you know something's up, but you, you just sort of, like, push it away because you're like, mm. oh, I don't know what it is, and you just kind of... And then it, like, is sort of told to you in a way, like, oh, my God. But <laughs> that is how I felt today when I watched this Breno Brown thing. I don't even know why I watched it. Like, yeah, I, I was going to ask this. How did you come to watch this? <laughs> so I literally just, I cooked my dinner and I, I was like, right, well, I need to watch something on Netflix, obviously. And I, I was already there, but I wanted to, you know, when you want to eat it and you haven't decided what you're going to watch. And so you just like you make some snap decisions about yeah. what you're going to watch. Because I didn't, I wasn't currently watching anything on Netflix. I didn't have anything to continue on to. Mm. And it was one of the first things that came up at the top. And I just, like, it was a documentary. And I thought, I haven't watched a documentary this week. That's part of my thing. Need to do that. It was only mm. an hour long. Mm. So I thought, yeah, 
I just clicked on it and dive in. Life I watched a little preview and there was a bit. I thought it was like a comedy thing, to be honest. Well, I mean, everyone was like cracking up, weren't they? Yeah. So. I liked that about it, that it was like quite serious but also super light at the same time. Yeah. She seems really fun. I really yeah. like her. I Renee. <laughs> so it just struck a chord. I don't think I've ever really thought about shame and guilt and those kind of things, but like in a deep way. I think I've always kind of known that there has been things that I've been, ah, oh, this is what I was talking about with the podcast. Mm. So, like, looking back at, like, things that we've discussed, like, when we discuss like, body image and those kind of st- things, those things are all wrapped up in shame mm. and that kind of stuff. And doing the podcast helps me, in a way, to work through those things because mm. I refuse to think about it otherwise <laughs> like i'm it's like i'm this is like therapy for me and mm. this is probably not healthy but it i is, force so. you to bring up your trauma for <laughs> yeah. the podcast but i think it's good because i think otherwise i do just push it down and you don't i don't think i quite realize the effects it has in my life until these moments where i stop and have to talk about it mm. or these moments where i listen to somebody telling me on a tv show what it is what that means and I'm like oh my god that's what I've been doing or I've been holding myself back for these reasons or whatever and um just I wanted to read like the one bit I made me cry actually I literally she read this part out and I literally just immediately was like oh my god and I'm gonna read it out now okay so she said uh, shame is a feeling you would get if you walked out of a room that was filled with people who know you and they start saying such hurtful things about you, you don't know that you could ever walk back in and face them again in your life. That's what shame is. And I just thought, yeah. Like, mm. when you imagine, like, the people that you care about and love and respect and all those things and the idea of them thinking badly of you in some way is like that is the worst thing in the world to me Mm. and I think because of that it stops you in a like I feel like I've always tried to be the kind of person who would be honest with people about when they're when if if they there's done something that I don't agree with, she said something later on in it about mm. being a yes man or being being the kind of person who will be like, what you've done there is, it's not good. Um, I, I, I think you're really good out. at that actually. Thank you. Like wh- I would <laughs> definitely brush it under the rug, but you were like, discuss things that you're feeling easy about or disagree with which is cool you stand for things cool <laughs> vibes thanks <laughs> well I think I don't know why I've, I am like this but I remember being like it from when I was a kid and being like like honesty about things was such an important thing to me and when people would lie about stuff or when people would be say things behind people's back and and then be the opposite to like two-faced basically (laughs) i can't deal with two-faced yeah like it gets under my skin so much but i also know i say that but i have the capacity to do that and i do do that and i I think some people i i think you have to do a certain amount of it for just for niceness but there's this other level that it's just like 
it does my nutty. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I just have these vivid <laughs> memories of people on nights out who I know just like talk shit about everyone all the time and then they'll see you on the dance floor and be like, I love you and I'm like No you don't. No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> you need to direct that love somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, I just I feel like I try and do that for other people, but I don't know when when I think about it, because I'm not sure that people often do that for me because it's a hard thing to do. Mm. I don't even know if I would take it well, and I do it. I try and do this thing where I'm like, oh, that wasn't okay what you did, but I'll, I'm not going to be like, I'm not your friend. I'll support you, but you need mm. to change that kind of thing. But if somebody did that to me, I don't know... I kind of I, I want people to start to do that to me because I want to know when I'm doing something wrong because the idea of of people ha- having resentment towards me that mm. I don't know about kills me inside a little yeah. bit. Yeah. To be honest, I'm trying to think of any time you've done something wrong. Never. <laughs> I'm but perfect. I, I think I can think of times actually where I've been a massive arsehole on a night out, obviously, <laughs> and you've like confronted me about it. And it actually is so I I find it very helpful because I I'm I'm one of my special skills is being horrible to myself and my inside voice. So I've already told myself off about this, but mm. somehow you telling me exactly what it is and the stuff that I've made up that's further than what I've done that isn't true, I can be like, oh no, this is yeah. actually what's happened. And me and... Like, I'm always like, our, our friendship is the important thing here and like, there's some things I can like bring back after whatever I've done and some things I can't. I'm like, what can I actually tangibly do to fix it? Yeah. I actually find it really helpful when if you come and say that and I'm like, well, actually, I could do this to help or, like, literally just say I'm sorry or something like that. I think I remember... This is triggering to bring me. I feel like you you made me some muffins once as an apology thing and brought them around to my house yeah. for some kind of night out thing and I don't remember <laughs> what it was, but I really appreciated that. <laughs> that was nice. Because it's like I had done something bad and, like, I needed to... I don't know... I think being me being able to... I think you're good... Sorry, uh, like, you'll bring it up, but you're not like, I'm going to milk this for all it's worth and, like, I've got something <laughs> yeah. up on you sort of thing, which a lot of people do sort of do that. You're like, I was not happy about this. Mm. And maybe even, I think for you, you're probably just, like, letting the other person know is enough. But then for me, I'm like, I can't live with myself because... <laughs> you know uh, so I have to do something in return that feels like which I, I don't I don't know whether that makes me a good person or not probably not to sort of try and balance it out or whatever no but, but I think that's like that is what a healthy kind of relationship is with anybody being able to be honest with each other about when when you've done something wrong and then to the other person to not be like take it like to to be like oh mm. god why the hell are they saying this to me like they're such yeah. a and not be able to take it to be able to for you to sort of by me telling you I suppose it gives you an opportunity to redeem yourself yeah. and 
know that you've done something wrong and and sort of fix it but then it it also repairs the the relationship in a way mm-hmm. but if you neither of you say anything if i was to just take like take it oh this could be the other way around too mm-hmm. like i'm sure there are things as well like <laughs> i'm sure i think it's like angel lizzie must have not done anything wrong ever no, I mean, something. I definitely have done things wrong. Um, but to, to not say it and to let it build up, like, because you don't let that go when somebody's mm. done something wrong to you. You kind of... You, it sits there, like, in the background of your yeah. friendship forever and if you don't resolve it then it just adds as like a foundation to building up on those things and that's what breaks things apart and it's not good obviously yes (laughs) um but i think that's something that not a lot of people manage to have in their life like i don't think people like being honest about the things it's not just me telling you what you've done wrong or whatever it's Mm. also being able to own up to the things that you've done wrong yourself yeah first too like so Mm. but I think that's something potentially that I'm not very good at that I need to work on because because you when you're ashamed of something you don't want to talk about it and you know you've done something wrong you don't want to talk about it um and now I'm thinking about a lot of, like, my friendships or relationships with, like, my family members and stuff. And I'm like, there are things that I've done there that I know weren't right. And I didn't do any- say anything because I feel ashamed about doing yeah. them. But, like, what must that other person have felt, you know? Yeah. I the, There's a part of it where she, so- she talks about... Um, her relationship with her husband and then bit like gender dynamics to do with shame and mm. vulnerability that I thought was really, really, really interesting because it sort of leans into a little bit of what we talked about in our last podcast, but one before that about um being a woman. Yeah. Um but I'm gonna read you another quote that she said basically mm. to explain my point. She says you show me a woman who can sit with a man in real shame and fear and vulnerability and just be with him, and I'll show you a woman who has done her work and doesn't derive her status or power from that guy. You show me a guy who can sit with a woman who's in real shame and fear and vulnerability and not fix anything, but just listen. I'll show you a guy who's done his work and doesn't derive his power and status from being Oz, the fixer of all things. I just mm. thought that sums up so well, like, how it's such a complex thing anyway, the human relationship to shame, but it's different for men and women, the things that you feel ashamed about, mm. and then the things that you make each other feel ashamed about by your reaction of how to deal with shame, and again, I feel like every single podcast we go we like ripped out all these hierarchies of different things yeah. that like <laughs> you've got to one another. to survive yeah. <laughs> i'm going out with my machete battering down the social norms <laughs> um but the whole thing about like that is interesting about when you when you're 
you talk about vulnerability with stuff, men do tend to want to be the solutions person kind of thing. But women also have a thing where they... The, the, you expect a man to be able to sort of keep it together kind mm. of thing. So when they're vulnerable, like, not, like, being able to view them as strong still can... doesn't... I don't know, a lot of women find that difficult, I think. Mm. Subconsciously, not even sort of realising it. Yeah. This is... And, this ties back to line of Dewey, real quick, because right. okay. <laughs> there is a moment where Steve, who's one of the main um, the main character, basically, he so he has a massive accident um, like where a he's <laughs> <laughs> he he takes a massive dump and feels really ashamed, Shamed. and a woman comes in and makes him feel very vulnerable. No. As in, uh, an accident in the line of duty ever. Oh, right, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and he ends up, like, paralysed for a bit. And Paralysed for a bit. I'm concerned about line of duty, anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I feel, what are you aren't you paralysed forever? No, like... Or am I an idiot? You're an idiot. <laughs> you okay. can be paralysed forever. But he had... He was... Um, temporarily paralyzed. like whacked over the head and then fell down the st- down the stairs kind oh, of thing. so he had like brain issues but like you can work he could walk for quite a while but then uh. you can like build it up and anyway then he sort of goes back to his his ex-girlfriend who by the way dumped him at the first sign of trouble so when this was happening I was like oh hell no but um, they are about to like sleep together and he has is having some issues down down there mm. to do with I mean to be honest potentially to do with the fact that he doesn't trust this woman anymore mm. because she fucked him over but also because of his accent or whatever and he goes off into the bathroom and there's just a moment where he just like like he's trying not to cry mm. and it literally I was like everything's breaking me at the moment and she's out in like the room being like oh it's fine don't worry Mm. but you can tell on her face that she's like she feels sorry for him Mm. but is also mixed up in this whole thing of being like she doesn't want him to be weak in the way that he has been situationally and he also feels ashamed about the fact that he's his body isn't doing what it, he wants it to. Mm. And he can't do anything about it. And there's an expectation of him to overcome that. And he can't, and he doesn't want her to know that he's upset about it. But kind of probably also does because he wants her to know that he's not all right kind mm. of thing. And for her to help him. And she can't do that. And it just, like, the, com- the complications between all of that, I was like, God, mm. it just is so... Know. It's everyone's hubris. Yeah. <laughs> We're all the Greek tragedies had it right all along. Mm. Our greatest downfalls are our pride. We need some vulnerability up in here. With yeah. 
we've built walls around ourselves with all this ideas of what should and shouldn't be. Mm. And I'm ready to dismantle them all. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that thing you were saying when we were talking yesterday about manners and stuff. Oh, when yeah. you were just like, rip that <laughs> it does. It, it's like we know how to act. We know how to follow rules, mm. but we don't know how to follow our instinct. <laughs> that that's exactly my issue with mankind. <laughs> yeah. But it, like we, like I was saying about the whole death thing. Like you, people know how to send condolence cards, but they don't know how to mean it. Yeah, like, and like. When people are in a room with each other, like, you can... I don't know if I believe all the universe stuff, but, like... <laughs> what? I believe in the universe. But, you know, when people are like, you can feel this and this. I think you can feel things. You can feel energy off of people, like, empathy. And if someone's... Like, you, can't, you don't always get it right, but you can sense things with people. Like, we're, we're good at that. Mm. But, like... We've learned, and I'm not saying I know how to do all this and, or do it at all, ever, because I have quite an awkward streak. But we'd much <laughs> rather, like, follow these rules and manners and etiquette than, like, tune into what... Is that actually right in front yeah. of Yeah. Yeah. So bizarre. It is. It really is. And I feel like that's the, the biggest reason why we even have all of these problems because we we don't have like a language to be able to communicate um those feelings properly that's accepted yeah but then it's it's weird we don't have a language as such but like naturally we've got this inclination towards these things and maybe it isn't like something we can verbally even disclose but it's something everyone can feel and like give to each other Mm. like we're born knowing how to do that I think pretty much everyone's but capable we're of that. raised to suppress that yeah god what everyone tune into Eminem because <laughs> she's getting real <laughs> it, is, it blows my mind yeah god <laughs> <laughs> what, what were we actually talking about <laughs> I don't know <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, the men and women thing, I guess, as well. Yeah. She said something about what's... Like, she asked her audience, like, what are the main... Um, what's the main thing that comes up to do with women and shame and everyone's, like, uh, body image? Mm-hmm. And what's the main thing that comes up with men and shame and it's... Um, or was it perceptions of strength kind mm. of thing? I think and even that though sort of simplifies it almost. Like, yeah, I, I, I really liked everything she said. But I, when I'm like, I'm not sure it's just like, but like when I think of being a woman, I almost like, and shame, I think almost like everything is tied with shame. It's like these, I think things yeah. that spring to mind is like this idea of being, um, really like reactionary and expressive with emotions in certain situations you feel shameful for that because you're crazy or like 
Yeah. If you've slept with a lot of people, you, you're excited about sex. You feel shameful because you're a slut. Mm. Like, there's a lot of being... And I'm, I'm sure it's the same for men. I think a man could bring all of this. There's so much of our everyday lives that are actually tied to shame, but probably tied to shame because of, once again, these preconceived ideas. And that might not even be um, the same in a different culture. Well, it probably won't be like body image is so much different yeah. in other cultures than it is to ours. So, yeah, it's weird that so much of the shame is linked to things that have been built and are different throughout the world. Hmm. Well, that's also interesting because I feel like a lot of my personal shame is t- it's tied to the gender thing but in like a different way of being like like I feel like often I can be lean more towards masculine traits and I feel ashamed of that because I'm like women aren't supposed to do that kind of thing mm. what's what you're told but I'm like it really annoys me like it grinds my gears that I feel ashamed about some things that are just who I am and I'm like mm. why why are those things associated with men and not women or or whatever do you know what I mean like it doesn't make any sense to me mm. and so like when I think that sort of I feel like that goes back to being a teenager and stuff a lot of that but just like even this idea of being I was talking to my friends about like like relationships and stuff and something that always comes up is this idea that uh, like a man that can protect you kind of thing and whilst like you like I feel like you do kind of want that but like something that always makes me think I'm always like but the idea of a woman protecting a man and it's got nothing to do In my head, I'm like, it's got everything to do with whether you love that person. It doesn't matter about whether you're a man or a woman. Mm. But this idea of often, like, a woman being protective of a man feels, like, like, wrong in a way. Like And then that leans into that whole, like, psycho territory. Do you know, like, protective girlfriend. But, like, just being capable kind of thing Mm. feels like... Like, I don't, there was this a thing that happened. I was walking with, so, two of my friends who were girls and one of my friends who was a guy. Mm. And there was this, um, this guy on the street who came up asking for money and stuff. And he was really drunk and he had a bottle of wine in his hand and he was being quite aggressive. Mm. And he asked us for money, like, at one point. And my friend, like, really kind of, super politely, he was just like, oh, I'm really sorry, I don't have any money, um could I, and he kept hassling and hassling, and he was like, could I just politely ask that you um, ask somebody else because we don't have anything? And then he left, but then he caught up with us later, mm. didn't remember who we were, asked us again, but he immediately went and just, like, kind of s- siphoned off so that my male friend was apart from the rest of the girls, and mm. so he was just harassing the guy because I think it was easier for him to do that but my 
friend was kind of like had his head down a bit and was just a bit like oh please can you not and I was like he said no like leave him alone kind of thing mm. and if I like it made me so angry and I was just like I wanted to like protect my friend who I felt like in some ways like I felt like he felt uncomfortable on so many levels because he was in front of three girls where he probably thought oh my god um I look weak right now because mm-hmm. I can't stand up for myself in front of this guy who's harassing me. But I'm not going to lie. I felt like when you were in that situation, you feel like, oh my God, like you just want to look down on it for it to go away mm-hmm. kind of thing. A man can feel like that too. It's not just something that a woman feels, but mm-hmm. also a woman can feel like, I want to punish you because you're being an asshole, mm-hmm. like in the same way and want to protect it. Like, and... I really hate that those things are, like, isolated into, like, being a female thing and a male thing. Mm. And uh, if I had have, like, physically gone in there and protected him, then there would have been the whole issue of, whilst he might have been grateful for that, he also would have maybe felt a bit emasculated. And I'm like, why would that... Why does that make you feel emasculated? If I was a man, you wouldn't have. And... Ugh. Yeah. It's so, like, layered up, isn't it? Maybe it'd be fun to do like a what what will you take from this into your Yeah. Your living. Um, well <laughs> there was one bit where she's like stop working your shit out on other people. Like, oh, I like so that. Much, yeah. So <laughs> I was much. like, because I was a punching bag for a long time for someone else's problems. And it's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but I think, yeah, she was like, it's so much easier to cause pain than it is to feel it. And Mm. that's so true. Like, that comes back to the resentment thing. What I take, taking away from it is to be able to, like, to be able to step back sometimes and really think, like, if you're mad at someone, if you've got, feel resentment towards a situation to kind of, Think of a way how you can actually sort that out that's helpful for everybody and not just kind of make it into a toxic, horrible situation that will just gradually get worse. Mm. And also the thing about being brave and being able to... Like, things that are scary... And I think about this a lot at the moment in terms of, like, career things and we're at that age where I'm like I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do it and I talk about this a lot but I think a big part of that is just because I'm like I don't know if I'm good enough to do that and I don't know if I'm like if I could do that or if I'm I'm too scared to do it and I don't all I know right now is I don't want to feel like that forever Mm. and I will if I don't do anything so I suppose just taking a bit of a leap of faith and doing something because I think back and I'm like for me going to university was quite a brave thing as like mm. a sh- introverted shy person like awkward I was around people and never <laughs> did anything awkward. socially like to go into a, a kind of that bubble of of young people who was often quite extroverted and a bit like did loads of things that made me feel uncomfortable mm. like I knew that it would be good, and that's why I did it, but the I, I was so terrified before mm. I did it. So I haven't done anything like that in a while. I feel like the reason why, in some ways, I've been kind of unhappy with a lot of things is because I've sort of been too comfortable in my surroundings, mm. and it's 
holding me back? Yeah. What about you? I think mine's like the same as that. I would, <laughs> I'm going to say it in a very crass way. I don't want to be a pussy. <laughs> Basically. Because I do think <laughs> I am a bit of a pussy sometimes, like all the time. I think it's it probably actually got worse um, recently, probably because of the lockdowns and stuff. So it was quite a nice thing to watch to sort of remind me to not be a pussy. Because, like, um, I don't know, there's just, like, a lot of stuff that... Like, me and Charlotte, one of our friends who was on the podcast, were discussing this over the weekend, like, how she's really got into person whatever she wants on Instagram. And it seems a very incidental thing, but at the same time, I overthink all that a lot, even though I have hardly anyone following me. But I just worry people will be like what the fuck is wrong with you Emma and I'm like no one's gonna say that <laughs> but like I think it's it's the shame it's the vulnerability that I am not allowing myself and I think it's it's also that like Brene was saying the how did she describe it like you foreshadowing sort of what could oh, happen yeah. that's bad all the time and I'm like it's just not helpful is it when the bad stuff comes up, I actually, I, the thing is, I am probably quite equipped to deal with it, but I protect myself from it all the time. So I'm just gonna, well, mm. I, I'm not just gonna, but I'm gonna try <laughs> mm. to not do that more and put myself out there. And I think, like, I'm a bit like, I don't like sharing stuff that I've done. Like, I like keeping it secret because I'm so afraid people are gonna be like, you Judge. are the most uncool. But the most uncool, categorically the <laughs> most uncool person. But what if the people who are saying that aren't in the arena? Is that what mm. it Ah, I've got it. Let's read it. That's a good thing. Yeah, to, she says something about an arena. <laughs> and that's what I was getting at there. <laughs> so I think she named one of her books Daring Greatly, and it's a from a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. So the quote is I was thought it was Roosevelt, but obviously not. Roosevelt, Roosevelt, or maybe it is, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Who knows? <laughs> you don't have a great track record, to be fair. <laughs> what did you say before? <laughs> Joan didn't. <laughs> Joan did, Joan didn't. <laughs> uh, right, so, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that is his place shall not... So that his place shall never... Oh, Christ. <laughs> I've lost it. I failed. <laughs> Fail greatly. Let me finish what I can do this. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I don't want to be a cold and timid soul. No. And I, what's worse is I feel like that's how people view me. That's what I've always been ashamed of, always been afraid of, is that people look at me and think, she's shy and she's got nothing to say. I've got things to say on the podcast. Mm, on the podcast only. So. Do you know right. that the you reading that again to me really made mm. me think that as well, it's like 
you know, like, there's that fear to put yourself out there to share the things that you are nervous about. But the people who are in the arena, quote-unquote, like, when they react to whatever you put out, whether they like it or not, they never react in a way that puts you down. Do you know what I mean? Like, the people who are doing, like, on their own shit and, like, in the arena, (laughs) I'm going to keep on saying it, are only, whether it's their thing or not, will just don't put people down. They're, like, so ready to lift everyone else up and be supportive. And I don't know, like, you can... There's a tangible difference between the people who are maybe not always doing the vulnerability thing and, like, whatever, but who are trying versus the people who absolutely categorically aren't and are finding their sort of validation from bringing other people down. And I think, actually, it's easier to distinguish that than maybe you think, I don't know. And so if you put something out and someone is, like, just, like, an arsehole about it, it's quite easy to know that that's their own problem and not yours. I don't know. I yeah. I, I just feel like there is, a, like, a, you can really feel the two different sides there and you will know who the, the people yeah. worth listening are in your truest. Do you know what? Yes. Listening to this makes me like quite proud of people that we've become, Emma. Because I feel like that who we are now is who we kind of always were. Like it is at our core, but I feel like we didn't really. No, we couldn't really ex- express ourselves mm. well, and now we've sort of removed ourselves from from the. No, this is not right. I don't know how to say it. Words elude me. <laughs> no, I know, I, know like, I, mean, I, I definitely feel like, um, I, don't know, I can't speak on behalf of you, but, I, oh, sorry. No, sorry. I, keep... <laughs> I, I definitely felt like this really like strong sense of like self from childhood that I definitely lost throughout school. And then it feels like a refining of that. I feel like it was very hard to be the people we are within yeah. like secondary school setting that sounds yeah. really like superficial and stupid but I, it definitely felt like that was such a trudge and then as adults we've really regained who we are who we are deep yeah. but true but it's also like I don't know if that ever left but it's just that we now kind of have pride in who we are more like we yeah. like ourselves and we regardless of whether other people don't that doesn't even come into our head anymore because it doesn't matter yeah do you know actually that just reminded me and this is one thing I'd started watching the film eighth grade I don't know if you've ever seen it oh no I've heard about it I watched part of it it's really funny um and a dad goes and she's so embarrassed she's like oh my god shut up dad and she's like I know you're not gonna want to listen and he's real like goofy dad but he's like you're really cool he's like You've got interests. You she makes little YouTube videos. Like it paralleled yeah. my life far too <laughs> much. And I was like, scary. Uh, <laughs> like you make the YouTube videos. You're, you're into things. That's really cool. And she was like, Oh my god, Dad, shut up! But I was like, That's the sort of thing you can't see at that age. That having yeah. interests and 
I, I suppose coolness is very subjective, but I, I would argue that having like interests and pa- being passionate about things is pretty yeah. damn cool. But it's so hard to feel that way when you are like that age. But then yeah. like as you get older, it's like, I oh, know, <laughs> these things I like are the lifeblood of my life. So they must be pretty <laughs> dope. I need what are these words I'm coming out with? Sorry, everyone. <laughs> But yeah, maybe to apologise for yourself, Emma. Maybe You're sometimes. Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a tangent, but um, no, but yeah, I think I feel like I we started this talking about centric. yeah, so. our shame, and now we've been vulnerable-ish in this yeah. podcast a bit. And, and as always, I think our podcast is tell alls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inside a scoop, which to be honest, if I'm listening to a podcast, that's what I love to hear. So, yeah, in some ways, it is sort of like when we joke about like, oh, nobody listening, even Mm. though I I honestly don't know if we have any listeners, to be honest. But I don't even check anymore, like, like, yeah, but I don't want to know because I'm like, if the I think it would, I'd, I'd it'd be interesting to know if it would change a bit if I knew that there was like thousands of people listening. I'm like, it's very easy to say things, like, honestly like this when you just, like... It literally just feels like I'm talking to you (laughs) right now. (laughs) I think podcasts are a weird medium. I think you could put, like, an MI5 agent on here and they would, like, spill beans on everything that's going on at work. (laughs) It's just, like, so... Everything just slips out, doesn't it? It's like, (laughs) let me talk. So, there you go. You know, like, what you do and yeah, I don't know if anybody else does this. Slightly ashamed if nobody else does, but... No shame here. <laughs> you know when you, like, like talk to yourself in your head, but you, like, you imagine scenarios where you have something you want to talk about, but like, there's, you just talk about it in your head as if you're talking to an audience or something? I do it all the time, sometimes out loud. <laughs> yes, yeah, same! In the mirror. <laughs> Usually behind the wheel of my car. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you do that too. Uh, I think everybody does that really, but it's ther- therapeutic. Not do it. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you think we should right. wrap, wrap up this part? Let's of the, wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> um, yeah, and get on to our day in the life. I was trying to pick something because, like, I feel like. I feel like this last week's been quite like R and R vibes. Mm. Easter weekend. Um, I want to know a fun anecdote actually, which is very. It'll be quite short because there's not that much fun in it, but there is anyway. <laughs> um, so me and right. my obviously on Monday it was like the stay at home order lifted, and yeah. me and my mum drove twenty minutes, um, like. Absolute legends um, to go to <laughs> another local town, um, which is allowed, but it Crazy. felt almost illegal. Um, and we were on the seafront, and there was like a camera crew, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what are they filming?" Because like every time I see a camera, I'm like, "What's going on?" And then they approached us. <laughs> oh my god! You were approached, and they were like. <laughs> Hi, um, so we just wanted to ask, like, what you think about um, holiday makers coming to um, 
the seafront and like me and my mum just went like I literally was like I was looking at my mum I was like we can't answer this right now and I was just like sorry I don't have a formed um I'd literally this was my response I was like sorry I don't have a formed answer to that <laughs> I was like we're gonna have to leave it amazing <laughs> and I was stood in the queue for the toilet and I was like I because like they were cleaning the toilet so it was just the disabled so I was like this like I'm next in the line for the queue so this is like gold dust and what you're offering me is not but mm. yeah I was nearly on tv but, but refused God, so to true. answer because and it's funny because like I'll get on the podcast and answer all what well not answer all ever but we'll talk shoot shit <laughs> 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 what? Um, but I just thought that I just thought the question one was very political. Um, <laughs> was this look not? Yeah. Please no, leave me. The question was, I think it must have been the um, North Yorkshire look north because we're in Scarborough. Anyway, because yeah, right. um, you, cr- you you were. A visiting holiday Yeah, but we, we, my mum were like, well, we've come, like, 20 minutes. She was like, oh, no, that's not what we mean. We mean, like, people from far away. I was like, okay. Um, but I was like, I feel like there's no way you could answer. I was like, well, I don't have a formed answer to this because it's unprecedented times. Um, and two, I'm like, there's no way I could answer this and they're going to cut it on the news to make me sound smart. Whatever no. happens, I'm going to sound like an absolute arsehole. So mm. I was like, I can't do it. Do you know what also, though? I low-key hate that form of news where they just mm. go up and ask random, it's like, oh, what's your opinion about this this sensitive topic kind of thing? Yeah. And it's just like, somebody just has to do a reactionary thing and then they sensationalise mm. it into these, oh, well, Susan from Scarborough thinks yeah. this. And... Ugh, the only thing was, it was like... <laughs> it's not news. I'd done my makeup like really good and I had quite a cool <laughs> outfit on. I thought, I can look like hot right now. I was like, maybe <laughs> this needs to be televised. But then I thought there would be nothing worse than this face televised with a load of bullshit streaming out of my mouth. So, <laughs> um, didn't end up on the TV, but so close. And the thing is, when I was... <laughs> When, weirdly, when I was little, all I wanted to be was an actor and, like, be famous, bath, like, why am I coming up with you know what that like... sounded like then when you said bath? It sounded like how Southerners say bath, bath, but bath. I suppose it is a bit, yeah. But, like, the thought of that's disgusting, but, yeah, now I'm like, don't put me on the television. I it, hate the It's actually weird because I'm like, I really like the podcast and like, I don't know, you probably haven't seen, but I've like put up a new YouTube video, which I haven't promoted because I'm like, pussy. Um, and, but I actually I, have seen it and I thought it was really good. Oh my just, God, yeah. you um, <laughs> And But the thing is, I'm like, I really don't want to be famous. Not that I think I'm going to become famous from this YouTube <laughs> but I'm like, I really like the medium for promoting like, things you feel yeah passionate about but then I'm also so adverse to like having any sort of public facing role but then I'm like if you want to get a message across you sort of have to in a way well what that is is like well it actually sort of links a little bit to what 
Brene Brown was saying about how, like, you want to be able to, like, do your thing and, like, connect with people. You want to have, like, a community of people and be involved and stuff, but you don't want to be subject to the criticism of, of that comes with fame. Like That's right. She, what yeah. she say about social media is the cesspit of yeah. society. Like, yeah. That's I think exactly. that's pretty normal, yeah. Yeah. But I cannot understand, like... I think it's a myth, honestly. I don't know. I haven't spoken to many kids, but, like, this idea that kids all want to be famous these days kind of thing. I, I think everyone wants to be... a vlogger blogger apparently but it, i suppose it looks easy money and pretty fun like who won't yeah, want to be i think that's what people want they want a cushy life that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean they want fame i've had this the Easter bank holiday weekend off which i'm sure mm. a, lot of, a lot of people have which has honestly been the longest days off in a row i've had in ages and it's been nice but it's also been like weirdly and i never thought i'd say this i am sort of restless to go back to work just as like a That's unnerving, yeah. Not I don't physically want to be in work, but just <laughs> like I want to have some structure of something. Like I want, yeah. I want a purpose. Oh my god, this yeah. is what all my issues is boiling down to at the moment. I'm like, where is my purpose? It's funny how all this, this like world. everything that Brene Brown said like links in. Like mm. she was saying about a, like the what a play means is having time and not doing anything with it what it was something like that one it's like enjoying free time and enjoying yeah. little things and you're like i yeah. can't enjoy my free time <laughs> it is weird how like I, I do enjoy it more when i have like one day off and then i'm back at work and then i have like one day off like three mm. four days later kind of thing rather than like a bulk load mm. because it's like you're given a time structure to be able to do the things you need to and so it's like it's sort of like when you have an exam, it's like you cram it, you cram like <laughs> your enjoyment in. When yeah. when you have the, the, the space to do so, it's like, oh, well, I'll enjoy myself tomorrow. Today yeah. I'll just wallow in misery yeah. instead. This time for enjoyment on day three. But maybe you needed that. I think sometimes, like, sometimes I just think you need a few days to, like, ground yourself, like, to yeah. find your feet, do a bit of that. <laughs> Like, a bit of laundry. Yeah, you know, Like, that, that sort of vibe. Cleaning. Every yeah. single day I've been doing that. Yeah. And then, this, is this still time for fun? Yeah. I have, I've had some fun. I've had some nice one. I walk. have fun. Yeah, I can have fun. Oh, my God. I'm a fun person. <laughs> I do love a good bank holiday weekend, though. Something about it, it fills me with... What, like euphoria for no reason <laughs> yeah. well do you know what it is i was actually thinking like easter bank holiday and drift was actually pretty lit wasn't it like but as <laughs> oh, far as time was that words like lit <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but, i mean but you're right those were the, uh, the few moments where going back to drift was always felt worth it like an easter bank holiday mm. ow is the best bank holiday and I don't I think it's because there's the possibility to have like four nights out in a row is that right or three yeah but like I I don't think I've ever gone out for three nights in a row like definitely not but just the possible I think it's nice as well because you can like you could do that but chances are you'll go out one night and then you're only hungover for one of the days of the weekend mm. 
then you're probably having a barbecue, then you might be sunbathing. It's just like good vibes. Yeah. Yay Isn't it amazing? Bangkok. Like the night out encapsulates that feeling of possibility for some reason. What is yeah. with that? Yeah, so random because like <laughs> usually the possibility that happens is dancing to the same songs we've danced to forever, yeah. getting back in, being hungover in the morning. That's it, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but full of possibility. Mm. Full of possibility. I think it's the, the memes though, isn't it? Because you always have like funny memes. Yeah. From an eye out. There you go. <laughs> We'll find right, out I again think... on June 21st what nights out yeah. really are like. Over a year and a half since we've been out. That's mental. Unholy. Yeah. Okay. Right. We're just... We're babbling. We're just drip drops now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap her up. Um, I'll outro for us. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Um, I think it's going to be a fun one <laughs> once it's edited down to yeah, something several things out. manageable. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>